We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast presented by our friends over at Underdog. It is Super Bowl week. We got a ton to get to. We are going to unpack the game from every angle. Also get into some news and notes from around the league. And of course, some best ball discussion as well. So great show coming up for you as we get ready for the big game. Let's start the show. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast presented by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. I'm your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. It's Super Bowl week. Uh, we are going to, to get into that big time here in the second half of the show, but uh, there are some some news and notes from around the league, Mario, that I wanted to, to kind of lead us off with. Um, let's start in the Bay Area, San Francisco. Sprock Purdy obviously uh, tore his UCL early in the NFC Championship game, is going to go in for surgery on that. So that makes things even more murky when it comes to San Francisco and their quarterback situation. They obviously spent a ton to move up in the in the 2021 draft to, to go ahead and, and get Trey Lance. Trey Lance opens the year as the starter this year and then obviously suffers that ankle injury puts his season out out the window pretty much pretty much early September and then Jimmy G does not look like he's going to be back with San Francisco. So if you are the 49ers, you know, how are you playing this and, and you know what what kind of leverage do they have one way or the other? Do you think that they have a quarterback in mind that they would like to keep or do you think that this is going to be a true competition come August? I I know a loaded question there, but but your thoughts here as it pertains to San Francisco's quarterback room. I really have no idea. I mean, I have, I have my own idea of what I think would make the most sense in their position or, you know, with an assortment of options that would be somewhat justifiable for them. Uh, that's not necessarily what's going to actually happen though. And I don't know how to zero in on that. Obviously there's a lot of smoke about uh, the 49ers trading Lance. Um, and I don't want to, say that's like impossible it certainly is possible it's just that if, if that's what's going on then I think it's another instance of Kyle Shanahan John Lynch whoever it's ultimately left with just showing really bad 
personnel judgment, really bad ability to evaluate players, uh, to have concluded anything at all in particular about Lance at this point is to be a negligent evaluator. Like you can't look at what Lance's career has been and decide, ah, seems like he's bad because, uh, what he controls the weather in week one and week two, he, he made some sort of decision that made him responsible for snapping his leg. Uh, it takes a conclusion like those to put any sort of meaning at all into this last season with him. And so, uh, it's possible Shanahan does that, but that's the only way he has some sort of critical conclusion on Lance um, based on anything that has happened, you know, which is to say anything at all. So I think um, it's, it's hard, but you need to keep some perspective on something like this, which is, um, you know, requires some patience. You know, you have to, uh, you, you want to make, it's, it's two years now. You want to make some kind of conclusion about Lance, but you just have to understand that you can't. And you, you you look at like Garoppolo, uh, yeah, he offered them some sort of baseline, but there's no proof even that Lance couldn't have offered that himself. Like Lance was denied that opportunity from the weather in his injury. So uh, it's it's uh, like a false assumption to just think Garoppolo offers anything over Lance at all. Like there's no evidence of that. And the other one, a part of the other part, of course, is Purdy, who's even more maybe even more like emotionally. Um, you know, stirring like the just the narratives around him and the like the the, the the Cinderella story of it all. It just it grips people's senses, their better judgment, and and makes them ignore things like, hey, Purdy didn't do anything. Like he didn't do anything at all. He played against a preseason defense against the Cardinals. He put up four touchdowns. The rest of the time he was playing t-ball. They were hiding him, and uh, you have to ask yourself why they were hiding him. Like. They were, they were trying to keep the pass attempt volume under 30 every game, noticeably less than they were with Garoppolo. Um, and it was a, just a cupcake schedule. I mean, we, we looked at that start that the 49ers had, uh, the losing record that they had initially, and you looked at it, it was like, oh, this won't hold. They're going to go on a roll. And I didn't say that because, you know, everybody who pointed it out didn't say that because they were like, and it's because Jimmy Garoppolo is so great or whoever plays his quarterback must be so great for this to happen. It was like, no, this is easy. And it was. So giving uh, much meaning to Purdy's rookie season is also a negligent evaluation thing. Like it's, it's something Shanahan could indulge, but if he, if he's trying to make some conclusion based on anything Purdy did uh, any conclusion beyond what it was worth, which is like, you know, he, he's a backup. He's a good backup. Great. That, that's something. Um, but it's not a basis to trade Trey Lance for peanuts when especially Trey Lance, uh, let's see, he's going into his third year. I realized, mm-hmm. uh, how, how much, uh, let's see, he's five months younger than Brock Purdy going into his third year next year. He's five months younger than Purdy. So, yeah, I, I can see them, uh, keeping Lance and Purdy, and Purdy being the backup, I don't care about the injury. I don't know what to make of the injury, by the way. I mean, um, I, I guess there could have been a case study that I missed, but I really don't remember Tommy John's surgery for NFL quarterback. No. Uh, I know it's different than throwing a baseball, but it, it, it's we're seeing we're seeing like a t- like a, an assumption that Purdy's going to be fine for training camp, and I don't know if there's a basis for that as much as they're just kind of like hoping, you know, like. This seems like it might be the first case. So I uh, don't know what they could count in there. Uh, um, so anyway, I think they could move Lance. I think it would be ridiculous, assuming they're not getting some, you know, really tantalizing offer for him. 
uh, it would be a ridiculous move on their part. Um, but I don't think Purdy's a factor either way, personally. So I think they either they go with Lance or they trade Lance and they re-sign Garoppolo and Garoppolo starts. I don't think Purdy starts next year. Okay, and and that goes beyond the injury detail with with Purdy. It's more so just who he, he is as a player. Good. He was bad. It was. I mean, I, I feel like I'm losing my mind, and, and I understand that the numbers. I know the numbers are good, but they are. Watch when you watch like that Seattle game. People are talking about it as a good game. He missed so many throws, and he didn't even throw that many passes. It, it was one of the most dominant. Like one of the most overwhelmed defenses I've ever seen, one of the most dominant scheme performances by an offense I've ever seen. The quarterback should have had six, seven, eight touchdowns. And people were like, wow, he threw three touchdowns. You have to admit he's a great quarterback now. Whatever. I'll 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 hold this position. I'm not I'm not intrigued by anything Brock Purdy did, honestly. He had, he had poise, and that's something. It's it is worth something, especially for a backup. It's good to have a backup that can step in. And when everything feels like it's falling apart and, you know, the, the quarterback gives some reassurance and, and gets you back on the game, that's great. It's just not a basis for trading Lance, which which people are trying to conflate it to. So what what do you think uh, Tr- Trey Lance could get as far as the, the trade market is concerned? I really don't I, I think know. teams are going to be able to leverage the, just the fact that we're, we're two years into Lance's career and there there's – not a lot to show for it again, like you said, not really by his own fault, but um, you know, I, I think that that there is something to be said for teams being able to leverage that as far as what, what they're, what they would be sending. Well, if they were, if they were leveraging something, um, I think, I think it would be, uh, it would, you couldn't do this if there were a ton of teams trading for Lance, but if it's only like one or two or especially one, they can just lowball the 49ers because the 49ers in this scenario have kind of cornered themselves into moving him. And uh, if you don't have any actual, that, like that's, that's not a, a good leverage position to start from. So uh, they could, if they are committed to just moving Lance just for the sake of it, they could get a surprisingly little return. Um, I don't know if it was much to do with Lance not doing anything as much as Lance's contract having two fewer years on it. Uh, like it's great from, the pers- from the projection of uh, Lance's talent and like career uh, abilities, the trajectory of that over a certain age span, it's good that he doesn't turn 23 for five more months, but, or uh, sorry, three more months, but it's not great for the contract timing. Cause basically you're kind of like paying for his development time. You're almost like paying for him to kind of go to football college and then uh, by the time he's in theory ready to go or whatever, then he's already nearing uh, the sort of range in a contract where one big season is all it takes for him to be a training camp holdout and get the expectation of a big contract extension. So if you're trading for Lance, you're you're probably maybe getting a high upside quarterback prospect, but also one you're going to have to make a quick decision on. And right. um, not just as a, any decision, it's like a if, if it turns out in the like positive scenario, you're paying a lot more money than you would if you were drafting a quarterback with uh, you know a first round pick in the upcoming draft. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the timing element, yeah, and as far as him being a first round pick, you know, having to make that decision on on the fifth or a fifth year uh, uh, option pickup, yeah, that that does kind of adds add an interesting wrinkle uh, to all this, but. Yeah, but bottom line is it, it just never seems to be easy for for San Francisco and, and their quarterback 
situation. Uh, no matter what it is, it's always tricky. <laughs> and, you know, the, the yeah. injuries that. I don't know if there's egos. anything. I don't know if it's a just bad luck with the injuries. Like, I don't know if it is possible that Shanahan's like, oh, I don't want to have a running quarterback. They get hurt too much. Like, I think that's a false conclusion. It's one he could take up. But yeah, uh, I think part of what's made it difficult for themselves is like they just kind of uh, they just kind of have bad judgment with all of it. And they they kind of they stand by things too long or bail on things too early, just kind of uh, setting themselves back a step for every, you know, two they might make forward and uh, I think in this case they have to just like focus remember why they drafted Trey Lance look at what's actually happened with him in his career uh suppose what could have gone differently if he hadn't been hurt and uh you know try to try to build around him and keep Purdy I would say since he's so cheap but uh trading Lance is is in my opinion a great way for them to just bring their ceiling back down to what it was like two years ago Okay. All right. That that's good analysis there. Yeah. I think that there, there's more to Lance, uh, than, than what we're aware of or what we've seen to this point. And, and like you said, uh, imbuing a bit of perspective, I, I think is important, you know, that they, they really, uh, mortgaged a lot to, to move up in the, in the draft to get him. You got to get something out of him and you gotta, you gotta, you didn't expect him to be a star quarterback in his first two years anyway. So like, let, let's go ahead and did though, but you're right. Like that's, that's the way I would look at it. And I think you, you just said it too, but like a lot of people are basically, even if they don't mean to, they're holding him to a standard that in practice would need him to be a star level quarterback. And they, they don't, they don't realize they're putting it that way, but they just do. And they plow ahead and you know, it time passes and they forget the reason they hate Trey Lance is because they, you know, at one point judged him for not being a pro bowler as a 22 year old, uh, out of North Dakota state. Exactly. Like the, the, the things that I always came back to when, when we were studying him as a prospect was like, yeah, that the, the film looks incredible. The production, you know, it's, it's hard to, to argue against, but you do have to wonder about the, the experience, the reps, the, you know, the, the jump in level of competition, the age. And it's like, okay, this is going to take, a little bit of time. And unfortunately, you know, the, these first two years, he, you know, back up his first year um, injured for basically the entirety of, of his first year starting. We just don't have enough sample to, to make any sort of judgment. So you just have to bet on, you know, the development, the tools, that type of thing and, and string it out and see why they went ahead and, and selected him third overall a couple of years ago, like that they're, there has to be that expectation that it was going to take a little bit of time for, for him to get there. And unfortunately we, you know, we, we haven't gotten to see him push through the, the growing pains on the field just yet. So there, there's a bit of a mystery still to him, but I, I think that all of it is still there. And I don't think that the trade retur- return would be worthwhile for them. And like you said, as, as good as Purdy was, you just need to reframe what what that really meant in the grand scheme. It's like he he just came in and played caretaker essentially for those last seven eight weeks of the season. Yeah, and John, consider this for like people's ability to keep perspective on these things uh, over these these events and the significance of them over time. Uh, imagine how many like if you ran a poll of which quarterback is better, Trey Lance or Daniel Jones. Imagine what the actual results of that would be and uh, think about what it would be based on that people probably what the hell, probably like 60 percent of the country would probably say Daniel Jones is better than Trey Lance or something like that. 
And what it's based on is Trey Lance uh, playing in a, you know, wind game, a monsoon game, and Daniel Jones playing the Vikings twice. And it's like, th- those are the bases on which people will completely invert their understandings of players and especially relative to each other. And these are things that can evaporate, especially in this particular case. This is this is an assumption, a, a perspective that could get negated in the in the span of like 10 plays. Like that's how fragile that sort of thinking is. And yet it it's like common. Yeah, it's like D- Daniel Jones wasn't a complete train wreck this year. Like, great. Good, good for him. Um Let's move on uh, before we, we get on to our next uh, news item message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, so, Mario, came across... Uh, yesterday, I believe that that Sam Howell, uh, Ron Rivera, coach of the Washington Commanders, tabbed him as the likely next man up for Washington. So, what does that mean? What are your thoughts on Sam Howell, first of all, and and then you know what does this mean for you know what Wentz, Heineke, and, and the rest of this you know veteran free agent quarterback market? I actually like Sam Howell a little bit in that um, he has to be better than some of these other guys, uh, even that went ahead of like Corral, Coral going ahead of Howell. That's that makes no sense. Uh, there's yep. there's a couple others that I didn't like, but uh, also Howell falling to the fifth uh, that particular falling point that doesn't really make much sense to me. Uh, you worry about him, you know, being a good college quarterback and not having the right tools, the right playing style to translate to the NFL. Um, I don't know if there's anything to that North Carolina system. Uh, I haven't paid enough attention to it. I should probably go look at this. Uh, well, yeah, he's in your he's in your backyard now. Phil Longo is uh, is at Wisconsin now. Phil Longo is the former UNC offensive coordinator. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Uh, but uh, so, so, like for instance, the the Baylor Bryles offense makes it kind of hard to evaluate the production value of the players in it. Cause it's basically stuff that works really well at the college level that doesn't exist in the NFL. And I don't know how similar UNC uh, and their offense might be to that, but uh, how will he, he had a, a lot of receiver help by college standards, but uh, not his last year. He pretty much just had no, Josh downs there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that, that one year he, he's, he lost a little bit, but not as much as he could have. Not enough for it to make sense for him to fall from like you know top three rounds assumption to to the fifth. So 
Uh, and I think he's definitely better than Carson Wentz, like no questions asked. But yeah, with Howell, I guess um, if he if it works for him, it's because he he uh, manages to make his deep game translate a little to the NFL. Uh, like he's definitely willing to take deep shots. I, I guess I don't have the greatest sense of how particularly good is at it how particularly good he is at it he seems to have a sense for it I guess I just I don't know as much about like his um how good his throwing to that depth is but uh I generally believe in the chances of a quarterback who's got like a good uh you know temperament whatever and, and a viable frame who has some semblance of a deep ball and is willing to run and can run expl- like Taylor Heineke somewhat meets this definition I guess and we're we're basically hoping Howell's like a a little bit more toolsy version of that, maybe just for some reason, better version of that. Uh, but I like with McLaurin Dotson being there, the idea of striking deep when the safeties creep up. And if the safeties don't creep up, have Howell be, have Howell prepared to run, you know, eight, 10 times a game. And I know that's a risky kind of thing. You could get hurt, but he's playing on a fifth round rookie contract. So who cares? Uh, but give it a shot. And, uh, you know, he could he could give you some explosiveness on modest volume, I think. But if you need him to throw regularly, thirty five plus times, he, he probably his his like moxie is not going to carry him over that level of exposure. I, I think it, it'll take time either way, but um, I, I think this is the right move for Washington, and I'm I'm saying this even as like one of the biggest Heineke guys out there. But um, you know, I think Howell is is definitely more talented than your your run of the mill fifth round quarterback day three quarterback yeah let yeah. alone uh, i mean he's someone that almost beat trevor lawrence as a true freshman when clemson was basically a juggernaut at that stage in 2019 and that was like early in the season as well uh that kind of woke me up to to how even though you know i knew i knew about him as a recruit uh he was like the mac brown's first like big flip uh away from florida state uh entering the 2019 season and yeah, I mean, Howell delivered like like you said, uh, his sophomore year when they had uh, Daz Newsome and and uh, who's yeah. it, Deami Brown? Yeah, who's who's also on on Washington? Um, you know that he put up insane numbers. That that obviously goes away his, his junior season, his last year at UNC. Still performs well, like you said, a little bit overweighted on on uh, Josh Downs. He ran but... a lot more, didn't he? He like ran a lot more that last year. He they well they just it. ran a ton in general because they had Carter and Javante. Um, so like that, they just kind of inverted the, their scheme to to kind of fit the the talent uh, that they had. Um, I don't know how at least is is interesting. I, I think that again, this is the right move, and, and you know, like you alluded to. Uh, there's some play, serious players there uh, for for him to to kind of have his game elevated by when it comes to McLaurin um, and Josh Doxson. Doxson, I'm, I feel like I can like already sense I'm going to have so Josh many shares Doxson. of him. Or, or, or uh, you, your your brain switched uh, to Josh. Doxson. Oh shoot! Yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, Jahan <laughs> Dotson. Oh man. Yeah, it's the, we it's we were talking close. about TCU off offline. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, he played he played I, for I, Washington, right? Yeah, that's what it's, it's, that's probably why your your head cannons uh, collided there. Uh, <laughs> the two, two profiles ran into the one, and they became the same guy. Um, but uh, yeah, the other thing about the Howell the Howell Kamikaze offense this year that makes sense is like if it doesn't work, this is the best quarterback class in a long time, like two years. Uh, but also, it might be better than that one. Uh, like that, like Caleb Williams could be 
near or at Trevor Lawrence level for all I know. I don't know. I mean, he's well, he's different, but he, he's he's some kind of really good. And if Howell turns out to be good, uh, Washington could kind of have their cake and eat it. Like they they could just be a bad team for other reasons or whatever. Um, but Howell might be good enough that they can flip him for like a third and still be in position to like get whatever Williams or Drake uh, may or whoever it might be that that's otherwise worth it. But yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're setting up a viable tank route. If, if they, you know, if they, if they, uh, if they can't compete, which, you know, they probably won't, they'll, they'll be able to kind of, uh, Sort of, sort of, just put themselves in position to bounce back in 2024. And and uh, Ron Rivera would be kind of funny. I think he kind of deserves it. It'd be funny if uh, they're just keeping him around for a tank year, like they just bring him back to get them to that first or second overall pick, and then say like later on. It it feels if they do get in position to get the first overall pick, Caleb Williams is a Washington D.C. guy. Oh yeah, they want it bad. I, they they want that. Dan Snyder, I feel like, would, would try to move heaven and earth to also get Lincoln Riley to come with him. I mean, they already did put up that huge trade for Robert Griffin, too. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't know if there's a such thing as betting <laughs> like where Caleb Williams gets drafted. But if you can put in the extreme long shot odds for uh, Washington, those those odds are just going to get it's going to be, you know, it, there's there's going to be. Every, every so often you see like these like narratives of destiny and this is clearly going to be something of that sort. And they, they drafted Haskins because he went to the same high school as, as Snyder's son, Bullis. Um, but Williams went that to was Gonzaga, probably better, uh, better football probably program. Probably an easier pick there too. But this, this one, it's like they're, yeah, they're like you said, Snyder. Well, I guess he could be out for all I know. I don't know what the latest is with that idiot, but uh, uh, if he's still in charge of Washington or the next idiot in charge of Washington that they, they both uh, probably thinking the same thing. Like we got to, we got to bring back the, the prodigal son. Yes. Yeah. He, he went away to Norman and then he went all the way to Los Angeles. Now he's coming back <laughs> and he's going to bring, bring back Washington football while he's at it. Um, let's go ahead and move on. Talk some best ball. Uh, before then we got a message from our friends over at underdog. The easiest way to get in on the action for the big game is underdog fantasy and their pick'em game. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite Chiefs or Eagles stats for the big game. And if you get all your picks right, you could win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and app, and they are making it even easier with a special pick for the big game. Starting on Thursday... February 9th at 10 a.m. Eastern. So this offer is already live. You'll all be able to make a special pick on Jalen Hurts higher or lower than just 0.5 yards. That's 0.5 yards. He literally needs to throw for one yard in the game to go higher. Pair this with at least one other correct pick, max of $20 on that entry, and you could be taking on some cold, hard cash. Again, Visit underdog.com or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with my promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 or older and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit npcgambling.org. All right, Mario. So 
Again, kicking things off, use that promo code RWNFL uh, over at Underdog Fantasy. Get a nice little welcome bonus. Get it going. Um, but today, I wanted to talk about some bounce back candidates for the up. Uh, so we're starting to see ADP take shape a little bit. And I want to lead things off. You know, yes. Sorry, just uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, just giving you a heads yeah. up. The, the internet monster was biting a little bit there. Uh, just just in case you got to look for the usual uh, signals uh, to be on alert okay. for a drop there. Uh, Sometimes John awesome. needs to log back on as uh, folks that are new. Yes, <laughs> to, uh, to our beautiful viewers out there. Um, but yeah, uh, occasionally it does happen. But all right, we'll reset. Um, so internet monster has gone back under the bed from what we can tell. Uh, let's get into this underdog segment. Uh, let's talk about some bounce back candidates again, use that promo code RWNFL. Um, but as is our brand, Mario, we got to start things off talking about Kyle Pitts. So his ADP checks in at 64.2. So we're, we're talking, you know, a, a pretty significant drop off from where he was a year ago, where he was an early third round, late second type of guy. we It's all well documented how, how the season uh, went for Kyle Pitts, but I went ahead and, and looked back uh, into, into his archives a little bit for, from this past season. And you know what? The, the actual you know, advanced metrics all pointed to him performing uh, extremely well. And you know maybe he was a little bit miscast uh, going your his a dot jumped uh, basically three yards in, a, in an offense that had a worse downfield quarterback so that that wasn't going to work out extremely well I think that 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 partially informs why the catch rate dropped off so hard but his catch rate was so good uh, his first season and then of course at Florida as well so I, I expect some positive regression in that sense and yeah I mean you know he was on the air yardage on the targets per route run all that good stuff, all of it is, you know, exemplary. It just, it didn't really translate into the fantasy production that, that we were chasing uh, in 2022. And then obviously he gets hurt to end the season. Bada bing, you know, now he's, you know, someone that, that goes in the, what, the sixth round of drafts. So your, your thoughts on, on him and his ability to bounce back this upcoming season? Well, the concerns about his production, um, I think could be, valid even if you think he's a really good player because uh, I definitely thought I expected Arthur Smith to do more with Pitts last year it's sometimes tough to tell from afar whether things were going on in the background like I don't know if some of these games where Pitts only got 30 snaps and they were giving a bunch of snaps to Parker Hesse or whoever I don't know if that was sometimes stuff like that can happen because a guy has like a bad ankle and they're not telling anyone about it something like that so uh, there are there could yet be some possible explanations for for why uh, Arthur Smith seemed to not be trying to use Pitts more, uh, and it might not be you know it might not be that Pitts couldn't do whatever it was. It might have been like he you know was dealing with an injury or something. But um, suffice to say, it was dis- it was discouraging that Smith couldn't find a way to get more out of Pitts. Uh, the catch rate is the tell of the whole story here. Otherwise, I mean, uh, I don't think it's asking much for Kyle Pitts to have a level of quarterback, you know, uh, passing play from a quarterback that could resemble 36 year old Matt Ryan. 
Uh, doesn't seem greedy to me to be asking for a quarterback who uh, completes 67% of his passes at 7.1 uh, yards per pass while, uh, you know, pushing for like 35 attempts a game. That's, it, it's not average, it's below average. And that level of quarterback passing play was enough to get Kyle Pitts to 68 catches for 1,026 yards on 110 targets as a rookie. Uh, as one of the youngest rookies ever, he turned 21 in October of his rookie year when he did that. So that would have been a highly impressive uh, rookie season, like the kind of data point that would put any tight end prospect on a um, clear you know, three-year window at most of Pro Bowl uh, ascension. Like he'll, he'll get to Pro Bowl, all pro maybe level by year three is what you would say, even if that player was 22, 23 years old as a rookie uh, like Pat Fryermuth, for instance, turned 23 the October of his rookie year. Kyle Pitts won't turn 23 until of October October of this year. So people got to it's, it's a tough one to keep perspective on because he's such a unique case. He's incomparable uh, in all ways, including we don't know for sure what happens when a Kyle Pitts comes along. But uh, as much as people are kind of like tilting their brains out over how you know much of a fantasy boss he was this year and uh, just just. This, this like despairing you see from people about how like he's not Megatron yet that stuff uh, I mean you can tell I'm, I'm not I'm not subscribing to it I think it's hysterical and, and as you said the peripheral stats even this year with all the disappointments it was otherwise littered with still say he was doing a good job it, it, what it said additionally was like the offense was failing aside from that and again it's the catch rate 47.5 percent of his targets caught like and even with that being the case, John, it seems uh, the, the 1.72 yards per route run is still 86th percentile among tight ends. So think about that. His routes are 86th percentile yards per route, even while he's, com- even while he's catching 47.5% of his targets. So what does that number go to if he's catching 56%, which is still below average, which is still something we would project Pitts to eventually get well north of? What does it look like if he's catching 65, 66? Is he just, is he uh, 100th percentile, 99th percentile, and uh, the highest of those, of that figure range going back 20 years? Probably. Like, that's the, that's the kind of upside that hinges here on Pitts just catching 15 more points of his catch rate. And obviously, he's the kind of player profile to project for that. So it's not, it's not like, I'm not saying like if he grows a foot, it's like if he just catches a catch percentage. Um, anywhere near the league average for tight ends, anywhere near what he had his rookie year, when again he didn't even turn 21 until October. Like we're we're throwing out all of this, uh, I think, perfectly clear, broad data basically for a six-week just bad memory uh, that would have easily faded over as little as like two or three good games. Like two or three good games for Pitts would change entirely his his. Um, so, so it's like he played 10 games. He added uh, 300 yards over two games, uh, three games. Like he's he's back on that track from before, and we know that he can do stuff like that because we've seen him do right. it. So uh, it, it comes down to the quarterback, and I I don't know, you know, that and Arthur Smith. I'm I'm not uh, as high. I, I'm not counting out Arthur Smith. I I kind of can believe that he has some kind of uh, explanation he could give. He's just you know he's not going to offer it publicly. Uh, but I am not a, not as high on Smith as I was a year ago, and I don't know what sure. the quarterback situation like. Ritter doesn't do it for me. 
No, but they, they do have a ton of, of cap space. Maybe they'll they'll be in the market to, to get an upgrade at quarterback. But uh, I think bottom line here, um, I, I'm buying in on, on a bounce back for Pitts. Uh, let's quickly move on to a couple other guys before we, we get on to the Super Bowl. Uh, Michael Pittman, obviously someone that was, you know, a, a third round pick this past year, fell under expectations. Um, the I think Indianapolis just as a whole really just kind of wilted th- this past year. The, the quarterback situation was a mess. The offensive line took a step backwards. So, you know, all of a sudden Pittman, who, you know, in his career year 2021, uh, his average depth of target was nine and a half. That dropped by two full yards this past year. That The catch rate obviously went up, drops went down. Um, but, you know, there was there was less kind of like bang for your buck on on his per target uh, basis that this past year. Do you think that that could get better this year? And, and do you think that you would go in on him at his current ADP, which is 52? Uh I'm probably not interested at that ADP, but the disclaimer I have to offer is like I'm just lower on Pittman than I think most people are, so I'm I'm not inclined. I'm not I'm not maybe the most like reliable uh, narrator on him. I I don't have like uh, definitive proof to offer on this. This is just something that I think when I watch the Colts' offense of the past few years. But I thought they were force feeding him. I thought more than almost any receiver I've seen in the league they design plays that are specifically only designed to get the ball to him. And a lot of those plays were like yards after the catch setups, like screens over the middle of the field and there's no one there. And it's like clearly like almost anyone else in the Colts receiver room would be better for this rep than Pittman. And they're going with Pittman anyway. Like I just feel like a lot of his production was just a policy choice by the Colts rather than something that occurred organically because of like an offense just, uh, assembling and seeing where its usage goes best. It's like they would have gotten more yardage on some of those looks, giving it to Paris Campbell, who, if nothing else, is clearly a yards after the catch guy. And so when I see targets like that happening, I don't consider his target rate as legitimate as I do some other players. And uh, particularly when this year, I know Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan happened, and it's you know pretty good case to make that Ryan was was much worse for Pittman's interest. But I also think the usage going up uh, defense is keying on Pittman that much more. These are things that would, I, I would have predicted anyway. And I would have said like, that's going to be bad for him. Like, I don't think he has the talent to withstand that level of exposure. I think he's a wide receiver too. And they're trying to use him like a wide receiver one that they, you know, chase the receiving title every year with. I don't think he has that in him. So it mm-hmm. makes sense to me that he would struggle the way he did last year. Um, I just might be like too, I might've expected it too much. Like I might be like uh, too, uh, too low on Pittman anyway. Okay. All right. So that, so perhaps last year is a little bit more indicative of, of where Pittman really is. So may, maybe not too high of a bounce back for him, but that, that's going to wrap it up for our underdog segment. Again, sign up at underdog using that promo code RWNFL uh, for that first deposit match up to $100. Again, that, that promo code RWNFL. Um, Mario, let's get rolling on the Super Bowl. So again, we we uh, we know it's uh, it's Chiefs Eagles. Uh, we we've been thinking about it for the better part of ten days at this point. The line hasn't really moved a whole lot. We're still seeing the Eagles minus one and a half. Uh, now that you've had an extra week to to kind of chew on this, where are you coming out with this game? Um, I. 
still don't really want to pick a side. I'll, I'll pick the Eagles, though, if I have to. It's it's one of those things where um, I imagine uh, either side could win. It's just going to kind of be determined by what sort of track the game starts out at and, and what sort of uh, you know flow it takes from there. And specifically, I guess I'm imagining that the Eagles just need Jalen Hurts to not turn the ball over on offense. And uh, I think that should be enough because I feel like the Eagles running base functions should be able to dictate a pretty reliable presence, a reliable return for the offense. And one that they can, of course, play off of. Oh, looks like John's internet got up. Um, one that they can play off of uh, if the defense tries to get too, too intent on stopping the run. That's a good way to get A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith behind you. So, um, a guy like Legarius Sneed, he can he can definitely play pretty well. Uh, I don't know if he can go one on one repeatedly against either of Smith or Brown. Uh, definitely not Brown. Maybe Smith, uh, but I don't really think Smith's worried about Sneed either. So uh, Sneed's the best corner. Uh, him or McDuffie, I guess. Uh, the other two rookies have been outside of the, the boundary reps a little more often with McDuffie uh, moving more inward, which makes sense. McDuffie's short has very short arms uh Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams very tall corners uh makes sense that they would be on the boundary Sneeze pretty tall for a corner too so uh those guys uh, the two rookies in Sneed I figure are going to be uh the ones who are mostly against AJ Brown and Devontae Smith like if you put Trent McDuffie on AJ Brown or Devontae uh it's asking for trouble so the idea of two rookies cumulatively facing like it, like 60% of the time or more going against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith seems like something that's difficult to cover up for a defense. And if, if Jalen Hurts is operating toward his usual standard and if, if the Eagles have a decent game plan, which they usually do, then I need Hurts to kind of just have an inexplicable failure, uh, turning it over specifically probably, um, to explain how the Eagles get off that track because that, that track as a base sort of occurrence, I think suits the Eagles. But if, if things fall apart, if, if an unexpected failure occurs with Hertz, then that would be a way that the formula gets off because if the chiefs get ahead, then the Eagles can't just lean on that running game quite as much. They're going to have to uh, start calling more pass plays. And I, I don't think Hertz is the kind of guy that you want going over 30 pass attempts in a game like this. I think, um, he can go over 30 sometimes, but Hertz is not a standout natural passer. He's, he's good at like a couple kinds of plays and he plays really smart. So his limitations don't show up. He's good at, you know, he's good at anticipating his own limitations and keeping them out of the way. It's just Steve Spagnuolo is going to call, you know, more ambitious disguised coverages than he has at any point this year. Uh, Hertz needs to play well you know he's got to keep his wits about him uh to to keep the plan on track um if he falls off that track i worry about overexposure i worry about uh if hurts has to throw 35 40 times because Mahomes got you know eight ten points on him then i worry about hurts just not being himself at that point and like deteriorating to some sort of just bad quarterback who would have never made it this far in the season but if the chiefs do not pull ahead, uh, you know, five plus points or whatever, 
then the Eagles can keep going back to the run. And I, I do think Hertz is like a big game quarterback. He's, he's not like scared of the stage or anything. He's um, it's his first time at this level of competition, but I don't think there's any reason to worry about him uh, failing for like nerve reasons. It would be more just um, you know fluke or like the, the chiefs just playing really great. Uh, with that said, uh, the reason that I'm picking the Eagles anyway is that if Jalen Hurts plays the way he usually has and if the Eagles can run the ball that I think we have reason to expect them to here, then that's a tougher spot for Pat Mahomes on the other side because Mahomes is, is the best quarterback. Uh, he doesn't need nearly as much help as other quarterbacks. Uh, there's there's no A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard uh, propelling uh, Mahomes' numbers. It's pretty much just Kelsey and uh, – a bunch of guys who aren't that great, but Mahomes makes them kind of productive enough anyway. It's just that it's tough to take that ragtag group of receivers and uh, keep that formula working against corners like the Eagles got. Like they got Bradbury and Slay outside. They can play man. They can play zones. Uh, they seem to be getting better at the latter uh, over the course of the last two years with Gannon there. So uh, they – with, with, the, with the ability to be interchangeable in the secondary with their coverages, there's also a decent chance that the Eagles themselves do what I was just talking about with Spagnolo on the Chiefs side. Like maybe the Eagles, um, maybe the Eagles surprise Andy Reid. Maybe by week Andy Reid, uh, normally such a big problem when, when Reid has that extra week to game plan. Uh, maybe Gannon kind of keeps a step up with it that, that Reid isn't used to seeing. Like maybe, maybe the Eagles, uh, actually trick Mahomes at a point or two it's, it's not likely but um it's it's stuff that can happen and uh, in any case with Slay and Bradbury on the outside it's tough to see any of the receivers for the Chiefs doing anything against that it's like it's got to be down the seam it's got to be in the slot and uh, Avante Maddox getting him on Marquez Valdez Scantling is the goal if you're the Chiefs you want to get the 5-9 Maddox on a uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling Valdez Gantling largely had the best game of his career against the Bengals because he kept getting Mike Hilton, uh, a 5'8", 5'9", 180 slot corner, and there's just not anything a guy like that can do against 6'4", sub 4'4", sort of receiver like Valdez Gantling, especially when the deep ball is there. So um, the Eagles, if, if they can get a pass rush going so lively that Valdez Gantling can't get deep on Maddox, at that point, I'm really worried for the budgeting of the Chiefs passing game because you can assume some sort of automated you know, 100 yards on 10, 12 catches for Travis Kelsey. Oh, hey, Alan, what's up? What are you talking about? I'm John McKegney. Oh, yes. Uh, John had to go to the barber. Uh, I think that's why I walked away without saying anything. Um, yeah, Alan, I was just talking about the uh, – I was trying to go through the whole uh, c- scenarios I could see unfolding with the, the Super Bowl here. And basically I was just going to say uh, – with the Chiefs, if if uh, if they can't get Valdez Scantling going again, I'm kind of worried for them because I think Valdez Scantling is the only player they have other than Kelsey who can threaten down the seam. And uh, Bradbury Slay outside makes it tough uh, even for Valdez Scantling to get open over there. So uh, they got to get Valdez Scantling on Avante Maddox, the, that tiny slot corner, because they might have uh, the Eagles might have Chauncey Gardner Johnson on Travis Kelsey trying to bracket him, and uh, it comes down to Valdez Scantling. So that's that's kind of like a scary. Uh, proposition to me, even though, uh, like I was saying, Mike Hilton, Valdez Scantling was getting the better of him in that same spot. Vontae Maddox, pretty similar player or similar build anyway, Mike Hilton. And uh, yeah, Valdez Scantling, definitely, definitely fast. And then that, that could be a problem for the Eagles. But just the same, 
if Valdez Scantling is not a problem for the Eagles, I don't know how they budget a passing game. At, you know, not not to the customary levels that Mahomes is used to anyway. What are the odds that uh, MVS can have two big games in a row? I mean, I don't even think we've seen that ever in his career. So, yeah, I really don't know. But uh, I, I mean, I would have figured no. But I also would have figured he wouldn't have been able to even do what he did in the last game. So we'll see. I mean, it's it's asking a lot of him though. I mean, he's he's. He struggled most of the year like he struggled most of the time in Green Bay. Uh, he's, he's not even really, in theory, supposed to be a guy who gives you lots of yardage, lots of catches. It's more like he's supposed to be a guy who keeps the safeties off of your other receivers. But in this game, with the injuries that they have and with, with uh, Slay and Bradbury taking away the outside, it's like those other guys, aren't they don't exist, you know? So it's like it, it really is falling on Valdez-Scantling, and he really is in a role that he's never played before. All right. You know what this this team reminds me of, Mario? This is like uh, with Mahomes. It's like those early LeBron James teams where it was LeBron and a bunch of just like kind of guys that they overpaid just to stand on the perimeter. But yet somehow they got to the finals. But when they got to the finals, they didn't have the the big time results. Yeah, if the if if the Eagles win, that would be exactly the same thing, I would say, because uh, it, it it really is crazy how much. um they they changed the name from uh, what, Spencer Ware to Damian Williams to uh, Jarek McKin to Daryl Williams to Jarek McKinnon and it's uh, the same result every time. It's just the the Mahomes part that's there, and it's it's like uh, these other guys. It's like Daryl Williams, you know, Jarek McKinnon to vet minimums this offseason. No one cares. Uh, it's just everybody knows it's Mahomes, and those other guys just kind of need to stand around and. Uh, as long as they do that, the, the Chiefs are, are usually pretty tough. But I, I just think something about those Eagles corners and, I guess, to be fair, the Chiefs, their receiver injuries, uh, that, that definitely makes it harder on them, too. So which no-name uh, pass catcher? I mean, because I'm thinking about uh, betting one of these, like, total scrubs to catch a touchdown. Uh, it, it, which third-string tight end? I mean, we know Kelsey is probably going to score. It's a good bet. But is it like a Jody Fortson at like, you know, a huge, uh, at huge odds? I mean, it always seems like so, who's going to be the second guy to catch a touchdown after Kelsey if you had to pick and you're not allowed to say Juju. Right. Um, yeah. So Kelsey in his 17 playoff games has something insane, like 123 catches. Uh, it's generally hard to budget any usage at all for another tight end when a tight end is getting 123 catches per 17 games, but the uh, guy who plays a lot of snaps for them most weeks is Noah Gray. Uh, I, they, I don't know how to how to describe exactly what he does, but he uh, he at once runs a decent number of routes, but also is not seriously considered on those routes. So that he runs these routes and doesn't do much with them might not really be his fault. Like he's he's pretty athletic. Uh, he's kind of like an H back fullback kind of build guy. Uh, but he's always playing 35, 40 snaps. He's just one of those guys that you kind of don't notice that much because he's just out there doing, uh, you know, structural kind of kind of uh, grunt work. But if he's out there 30, 40 snaps, then, um, you know, particularly in a game, if we're projecting lesser returns for the outside receivers, it's like, yeah, that all could just fall on Kelsey. You know, if Kelsey's normally on 123 catch rate for 17 games, maybe. Maybe in this game he's on more of like 132 or something because those outside receivers don't do the lifting they usually do. But particularly if the Eagles are trying to, uh, or sorry, if the Chiefs are trying to target the middle of the field and those linebackers, and if especially if, if like Kaiser White and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson are like trying to bracket Kelsey every play, 
Noah Gray could be someone that they uh, try to get on like TJ Edwards or one of those other linebackers and see if they can get Gray the ball in the space where, you know, the, the defense is selling out to double Kelsey. It's like they're leaving some other spot open. Maybe Gray's running near that area, maybe off of play action in the red zone. I don't know. But uh, for the snaps that you're getting, uh, probably Gray, that's the best value. Uh, Fortson's a guy who's more like he doesn't play many snaps, but when he does, they know they're you know, throwing him the ball one out of four times or something. Right. Uh, I, I don't think he's played in a while, though. I don't know if he's been hurt. Um, right. But when he you just said something interesting, though, it's like when he gets when he's on, in the game, it's usually when the Chiefs are like on the four yard line and they do throw to him. Right. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Things- he's he's like a former receiver guy. He's not even like a real tight end. He's just a, right. a short field, big receiver to them who who can line up in line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if the Chiefs do win and you he, and he go by the projected points and you go by the projected uh, total for the game, I mean, they need to score four touchdowns. Let's just say we, we carve off Kelsey for two of those. What, who, are, Whether it's running or passing, who do you think are the most likely players to have the other two touchdowns? I guess the other guy you got to keep in mind is uh, Blake Bell. Uh, it's him and Fortson, it seems like, are kind of fighting for those last 15 snaps at tight end. But um, anyway... Uh, yeah, thinking through... Is it Pacheco? I, is it McKinnon? Yeah, I, I think it's Pacheco, but I, I also am like not able to answer that question any differently. I, like it, it, Every single time I see McKinnon doing anything, it's like the defense just forgot to cover him, so I, I can't... Uh, it's like I, I think Pacheco can make the same play and, and the other additional ones, so yeah, I'll, I'll say Pacheco, but um, yeah, if the Eagles... If they leave TJ Edwards... Uh, coverage on the flats and everybody's covered and McKinnon's sitting over in the flats open, then the ball will go to him. And against a guy like Edwards, there's a chance that even McKinnon can make a miss because Edwards is like a five second 40 kind of linebacker. So um, there's, there's something that could be there. It's like uh, it comes down to the matchups, how they, how they match up individual players and you know, what, what kind of concepts, what kind of depth of the field everybody's running. But to me, Pacheco has the most like, base function viability it's like the, especially if there's any th- sort of running to be done it's like he's their only option i think oh, uh, unless Clyde Edwards Hilaire plays but oh you just you just took my joke you took my line i was just gonna oh say, sorry 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 he is activated i was gonna say so i guess you're you're not projecting Clyde Edwards Hilaire for it but hey mario let, let's stop it here because john had some tech issues so what everyone wants right now is they want a score prediction from you right now so take a deep breath here and you know Think about you. Can, to, you don't have to say the actual score. You could say hey. I already said one, and I'm trying to remember what I said. Yeah, it seem like I'm just like you, changing. This is what you could do, Mario. You could say this team by this many points. You could say like Eagles by a touchdown, or Eagles by four, or Chiefs by whatever. So, what do you believe is the most likely? I'll say uh, 27-24 Eagles. Yeah. Okay, so you like the Eagles and, and the points. All right. Uh, anything else to add before we conclude? Uh, no, thanks for coming on. Uh, John's <laughs> internet is, is the devil. We got to do something about that. Yeah, he's got to plug guy. in, man. He's got to plug in. All right, everybody. Uh, just remember that the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Go over and use code uh, RWNFL. They'll deposit match you up to 100 bucks. And we're 2023, way too early. Best balls have already started. Have you played one yet, Mario? I'm already four deep. 
I was I was actually waiting for that big contest that they're la- they're launching Monday. on Friday, the the big board, I believe it's mm-hmm. called. So uh, I'm planning on going in. I, I'm sure a lot of people are. The, the, get, they better get their servers ready. There's going to be a lot of people going in uh, when they launch that one. Yeah, yeah. So I've already done it already, and I, I you know I know that you guys talked about running backs last week, but Walker has been dropping to the late um, second round in some of these, and I have him marked as like pick twelve overall. Um, you know, he's my dynasty RB one. I understand the warts on him, but you know, he's, he's the one where if you're picking on, you know, the one, two turn, there's no great options. So you might as well take the guy that you prefer. And it seems like there's that tier from like 11 to like 18, where it's just a bunch of players, you know? So you might as well just forget ADP, take the ones you want. Uh, here's John. Hey, Johnny, we just concluded the pod. We're about to sign off here. Unless anything else, we, we did our outro. So say goodbye, John. Bye, everybody. Uh, go Birds. All right. Hey, give a score prediction for you. Uh, let's go Eagles, 30. Chiefs, 17. Oh, wow. A little blowout. Little bit blowout, of blowout. City. blowout City. All right. And who gets MVP? I forgot to ask both of you. John, you first. Who gets MVP? Um, I, I like Hurts to get it, but if I'm going a little bit uh, longer shot, Hassan Reddick. Okay. Mario, MVP. Um. I'm going with a Larry Brown style pick that just doesn't make any much sense. Uh, let's say, uh, say Reed Blankenship. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Okay. He, does he play safety for the Eagles? Is there that you go. safety? You can call it that. Some, some, some guy picks six for the Eagles. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Right. You heard it here for now. If that hits, you know, you're, you're basically winning a yacht if you put down a dollar, you know. So, all right, everybody. Thanks for joining the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Have fun watching the Super Bowl. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.